know it's hard out here for a pimp. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to the ninth episode of Cinematic Minds. On this episode, we'll be discussing the 2005 film Hustle and Flow, which is the fifth and last installment in our series focusing on John Singleton films. We'll then also be taking a deep dive into the career of Taraji P. Henson. Okay, well, we are excited to welcome our very first guest onto the pod, my good brother, Alvin Newsom. Given that we would be discussing Hustle and Flow, we felt it would only be appropriate to have a true Memphian on to give their take on the film. So first, our usual quick announcement before we get started. This podcast is a spoilers zone podcast in which we will discuss the entire plot of the movie. All right, let's get started. For those of you who have listened to the first eight episodes, we thank you for returning. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we hope you enjoy the ride. So sit back and relax. But first, listen to these cool sounds provided by our musical curator, my bro, DJ Chuck D, another proud Memphian. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to the ninth episode of Cinematic Minds. Today, um, we are here with our first guest. First, I'm going to do a roundup to let you know our, our initial guest. I am Ed Hollingsworth, the oldest brother. I'm Theo Hollingsworth, the middle brother. And I'm Malcolm Hollingsworth, the sexiest brother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, our very first guest on the pod today. Uh, he is my frat brother and a very proud Memphian, Alvin Newsom. Alvin, why don't you uh, tell, tell everybody about yourself? Good. My name is Alvin Newsom. Like I said, I said, we are fraternity brothers. We've known him for many, many years. Uh, uh, something else to know about me, I'm a stand-up comedian. And uh, as a Memphian, I have to give my staff of approval and especially my opinion. So I'm looking forward to talking about this movie is it a Memphian that's Memphian. the name Memphian yes, <laughs> yes. yeah Memphian. I, had to, I, had to, I had to get clarification from on it too oh, it's, not, it's right. not a Memphite. fight it's not no 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 a not Memphis sir yeah <laughs> proud Tennessee so also is he not a proud Memphian but uh again me and him are frat brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated so we're very proud of that um, so what are we here to discuss tonight? We are here to discuss the 2005 film Hustle and Flow, which is our fifth installment uh, of us discussing John Singleton films. His words tell the story. It's hard out here for a pimp, man, for real. Hold on, I like that, man. It's hard out here for a pimp. But the only life he's ever known. I mean, trying to squeeze a dollar out of a dime. And I ain't even got a sip. Takes time, DJ. So I usually like to give a brief description from IMDb uh, of the movie. And I'm going to start off with reading um, the first two in particular. I feel like both of these two give a good description. Aspiring MC DJ works the angles to get his first record made with help from assorted people in his Memphis hood. And when he hears that hip hop superstar Skinny Black is heading to his area, he throws together a supreme hustle to grab Skinny's attention. Another review I saw that I thought was helpful was an aspiring MC from the dirty South who is trying to make it in the hip hop world has to deal with many different types of people who try to bring him down, including strippers, his baby's mama, 
and all the things that try to keep a player down. This is probably his last chance to make it. He is approaching his 40s, and his life is looking downhill. This film is starring Terrence Howard, Ludacris, Anthony Anderson, Taryn Manning, Taraji P. Henson, DJ Qualls, Paula Jai Parker, Elise Neal, Isaac Hayes, Juicy J, and DJ Paul. So uh, this movie came out July 11th, 2005. It had a very small budget. It only cost $2.8 million. Domestically, it brought in $22.2 million. Um, worldwide, it brought in $23.5 million. So not the biggest numbers, that being said. Um, again, it brought back 10 times how much it cost to receive. So with that, you know, we're here to discuss uh, a Memphis movie. And again, we thought it'd be best to, to bring um, uh, a proud Memphian on. So Alvin, uh, why don't you start us off? What did you think about Hustle and Flow? But more particularly, what was your first experience seeing it? What was your first thoughts? And uh, what did you think about it initially? Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you asked. And I'm glad to provide a Memphis perspective uh, because I would like to say, I remember exactly everything about seeing the movie because I saw it in theaters while we were still an undergrad. I was in summer school at University of Tennessee. And for the only time in my life, I went to a theater that had ceiling fans in it. I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. <laughs> like there was literally a theater with ceiling fans in it. And I yeah. was like that. And I was, yeah, I was just like, where the hell am I? So I, I saw, so I can, I can already say I wasn't in the, my energy wasn't in the right place going into the movie. Cause I wanted to see it. And then it just didn't go in the right direction for me because it was just little things about the movie bothered me. Mm. Like the fact is, it's like everybody was just sweaty and greasy. Like <laughs> they ain't got no AC. Like you can't live below like Mississippi Dick. hot. That's exactly. Mississippi hot. I was like, bro, this 2005, everybody got at least window units, man. Come on, dog. Like it was bothering me. And like it bothered me at that, that was time. The, that was the New York, LA perspective of Memphis. Yeah, that's like, what bothered me. Memphis must be like. Yeah, and so I will, I was give context because, like I said, at the time I I've grown to appreciate the movie a little bit more as I've gotten older because there was some more context to give to it. Because yes, this is a John Singleton movie, but he didn't direct it; he produced it. And so that was one of another part of my misgivings is at the time Craig Brewer, who's the director, who's also directed uh, My Name Is Dolomite, was fairly new and. I'm gonna be real. As a Memphian, one of the things we know is about white dude. Yeah, it's white dude. Exactly. Uh, it's a white dude telling us. That's what I was gonna look up. <laughs> it it goes into the Elvis Presley of it all. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you have this white guy telling the story from Memphis. And what's funny is later on in life, once I started doing stand up, I actually know a couple of comedians who know him. He's a good dude. But at that time, I had my misgivings about because Memphis is very Memphis and Chicago are very interesting in these as far as their well, city. Let's be honest, it seems like in Memphis, he wasn't telling a Memphis story. Exactly. That was a black Memphis story. So, yeah. I mean, you're like, hey, why is there a white person telling a black Memphis story? Or, I mean, yeah. or whether, you know, where, whatever city it's from, but yeah, bro, I understand how you feel about that. And so that's what bothered me at the time. Like I said, now with perspective, I'm like, oh, okay, I get what he was trying to do. But even then, it was, it, it bothered me in that way because I felt like it wasn't authentic. It was kind of like a very caricatured story and it wasn't layered when there is stuff. Because even now, if you think about hip Memphis hip hop, 
the contributions, you know, you you have the late young Dolph now, you have yeah. Yo Gotti, you have all these people who are integral, Moneybag Yo, integral to hip hop. And even their sound, even the sound of DJ, you know, played by Terrence Howard, doesn't sound like any of those guys, because even though it's it's the Southern city, Memphis has always had a distinct sound and different sounds that aren't, that are very layered and nuanced and not mm -hmm. so much this thing. Um, and so that's what I felt like the movie missed. Uh, but I get it, you know, it, it gave some people some big breaks, but like I said, as I've grown older, I've become, I've softened on the movie, but first time I saw it, again, it didn't, it didn't resonate with me in the ways that it should have. It, it wasn't resonating with 21 year old Alvin, right? No, not at all, man. It bothered me. It, it bothered me. Wait, I'm confused though. Cause you were like, you feel like they look too sweaty and hot, but you were watching the theater in a, <laughs> In a room with the ceiling fans. Yeah, but, <laughs> so but this, here's the thing. That was in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's not in Memphis. Yeah, like, that's yeah, not in Memphis. Yeah, that yeah. was another city. Oh, okay. I think what he's I speaking to is like, yeah, he was like, I wasn't feeling the energy. He, I think what he's speaking to, I may be incorrect. I think that Alvin's like, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, in a movie theater with ceiling fans. Something's weird. Yeah. <laughs> watching a city, watching a movie about my city. And it's like, yeah. it just yeah. all just felt yeah. weird. The energy, I didn't like the energy of it all. And also, I'm gonna tell you this, Theo. So, uh, Theo was born in upstate New York, but I think for the most part, he grew up in uh, in Detroit, similar with uh, Malcolm. So, man, I'm just gonna say this, man. Down south is hot, and that's one thing I'm gonna say though. Down south is hot, but I feel like Hollywood be doing that. Hollywood be making it seem like down south, the Lord of Mason Dixon line ain't nobody got air conditioning, and we all sweating all the time, right? And no, I be like, I carry around like, sweat rags now, breathe and sweat. It's like, like that, yeah. It's not like that everywhere. It's like that in Mississippi and Alabama, but <laughs> <laughs> but it ain't like that in Tennessee. <laughs> like if you're in an actual city, it's not like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're in the actual city and stuff, and I feel like if you watch anytime they go to Atlanta on a, on uh, movies, like everybody in Atlanta has like Southern accents and stuff. I'm like, like this is a transplant city, bro. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like why are you doing yeah, this? Yeah, you don't yeah. need to like. Yeah. Yeah. Why they sound like foghorn leghorn, my G? Come on, man. Like, it ain't even got to be that way. Yeah. So it sounds like initially you kind of had some misgivings, but maybe you kind of came around on it over the over the past few years? Yeah, I have. So my, like I said, again, having time and perspective, you know, knowing people, there's a, a very funny comedian uh, named Holly Lene that I'm friends with. She knows Craig and, you know, getting to interact with him in passing is like, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? He was trying to tell a story. I think the story... Again, it's also, if you understand Memphis hip hop, it's probably trying to play on people like uh, King Skinny Pimp or Player Fly, more lesser known artists. But I still, like I said, again, musically from what you're hearing now, like from the Memphis artists, again, their sound doesn't sound like a Southern Memphis thing. It doesn't seem like a, a city specific thing. It seems very national in scope and sound. Well, like, Moneybag Yo is all over the radio now. You know what I'm saying? His is sound he... is not just a Memphis thing. So here's a question I have. Is there any Memphis artist that all right? So let's just say this. When uh when I see drumline, I'm kind of like, man, that's uh Dallas Austin. I'm like, yeah. that's kind of Dallas Austin's like life story. What they yeah. did was it was like Dallas Dallas Austin's life story is making a movie. Is there anybody in Hustle Flow that you could kind of be like, oh, all right, they just pretty much took this person and then made a movie movie of it? Is there any artist that you you would think of or yeah, I think like it's like I mentioned those uh King Skinny Pimp. It's like I said, he's not gonna be people you know, player fly. 
some of you know a little bit about them, like the player fly has a, I knew about player fly. Yeah. Nobody needs nobody. It's like a cult classic in, in yeah. Memphis. Like that types of stories, but it's more like again, it's more to older age where it's like more, like I said, Memphis hip hop kind of grew in from even that, even from when I was growing up listening to three six and eight ball MJG, it was kind of telling an older story at a weird time because like I said, <laughs> 05 is around that time where things were starting to change musically, sound wise. Mm-hmm. And Memphis mm-hmm. wasn't f- too far behind it because, like I said, the guys you're listening to now, Moneybag Yo, the late Young Dolph, those guys don't sound like these type the artists you would see or the story that was being told with DJ. I'll tell you right now, like, oh. Young Dolph and all them sound very different than uh three six. You yeah, exactly. I mean? It's all it's <laughs> growth. You know what I'm saying? They sound totally different. And so it was kind of that's what kind of my misgivings about it because I feel like it was telling a very dated story. Maybe if Hustle and Flow it came out in like '98. I'd been like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. But around that time, it was changing a little. It bit. was too late. Yeah, yeah, it was too late. Yeah, yeah. So is this film like, so, all right, so I was on Wikipedia and it says that this film is inspired based on the lives of Memphis rappers Kingpin Skinny Pimp yep. and Tommy Wright III. Are you familiar, familiar with Tommy Wright Yeah, Tommy Wright, Wright, III? Wright III actually lives in, uh, lived in the Whitehaven area when I was growing up. Like, his, like I said, again, they're more regional guys. Like I said, I knew Kenny, King Skinny Pimp's story more so than Tommy's, but I do know who these cats are. And like I said, again, it's more regional and sound at that time. Mm-hmm. So is this a period piece? Like just like, was this an early 2000s movie about like the early nineties and they just See, that, didn't really play that up that much? I think that's what it might've been. But again, you know, I mean, we had a, we had a Googles and the wikis back in the day. So you can't really tell. So for me, I took it as they're trying to tell this story is 2005. And I'm like, right. nah, bro, this is not what 2005 Memphis looks or sounds like. Mm. My theory that was always is, my so I feel like John Singleton effectively captured uh, the hip hop culture in the early 90s and that gangster rap culture in Southern California. And he made it into a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think in 2005, he did Four Brothers. I don't know if there's like some Detroit music culture, right? But I don't know. But he caught Detroit culture, right? In the early 2000s of Four Brothers, whatever that is. A little bit of Motown, a little bit of soul, a little bit of Eminem, right? But I feel like he caught that in Four Brothers. So if you ask me, my theory, and I've been thinking about this past week, I honestly feel like it's, and John Singleton was the number one financier on this movie. This, this is the John, he was the number one producer. He financed this. I honestly feel like John Singleton was like, all right, catching a cultural moment and music and culture in the city, right? As opposed to early 90s in LA, you know, let's go 20 years, let's go 10 years later and let's go Memphis. And and then we saw it, right? T.I., I mean, later that year, what, did T.I. have a movie called Atlanta, which is pretty much catching the Atlanta culture? So I honestly feel like this was like, all right, if you're going to make Boys in the Hood in Memphis, I honestly feel like this is Boys in the Hood in Memphis. We've changed a little bit, but honestly, it's just capturing that culture and that's one thing that I like in my personal experience. I feel like there is Atlanta music culture. There is Houston. But man, Memphis, 3-6? And mean, here's the thing, though. You got to... And I feel like that's what them capturing that. And they did it a few years late. Now, if they would have done an 0203, ooh, you know what I mean? But that's what they did. They, they, they figured it out, 0203, and they weren't able to get a movie to 05, which it was over by that. Honestly, it's over, but we was kind of on to the new thing by that point. True, true. I can see that. So uh, <clears throat> transitioning to that, you know, I think you gave us some good feedback on your first opinions. So 
you know, some things that you liked about it, Alan, some things you disliked. What was your favorite scenes? Um, and not only your favorite scenes, if you're going to pinpoint a performance in particular that you like the most out of this movie, um, scene performance, let me know what you thought about those. So as far as performance, uh, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. Taraji P. Henson's character, like, blew up. Like, Taraji P. Harris yeah. Henson blew up from there. Like, this is yeah. that thing. Yep. That you're exactly up. right, bro. It blew into the mainstream. So you're definitely exactly right. how soulful she was, um, her character was. And I think the... You know, spoiler alert. The the scene for me was DJ being in prison, hearing his his song K ninety seven. Because like I said, that's oh the, the end, the yeah, end, the end. Yeah. yeah, like that's a cultural. Because that's that is that is one. Thing I want to sound lame. Is K ninety seven? Yeah, it's a radio station. It's still okay. active in Memphis. That's a real. So, that's a real. Okay, the real hip hop station, and it's a big. That's a big deal. That's I. That's one thing I will say. That's the stamp of approval as a Memphian having that that K nine like being on K ninety seven. So that was one thing I felt like, okay, that's a, that's a good way to tie it up. I respect that because that is inside baseball where it's like, okay, this is the thing that appeals to us. And that's important to us. It's, it's, it's our five mics, whatever moment. I like yeah, that, that was a good, it was a good scene. I, and Taraji P. Henson, I don't know. Uh, I, she did blow up after this, but I'm like watching this and I'm like, I don't know. Like she, they just had her playing terrified the whole time. I, I think it's more. I have more problems with the character I'll, than with her acting ability. But it was just like this character is kind of. I, 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 I disagree with it, man. So here's how I came with it. I so my introduction to Taraji Henson, which I'll talk about at the end of the episode, was Baby Boy, and you know what? Oh, I just yeah. didn't like her character so much in Baby Boy that, and that's all I saw her in. So that was like her main role. Um, and so seeing her in this, right? It was still another kind of like, man. She goes from playing like another undesirable role to another undesirable role. And so if I'm going to get ahead of it, I'm going to tell you right now, one, I agree with Alvin. My favorite performance was Taraji P. Henson. And I literally realized once I started becoming a Taraji P. Henson fan, I became a Taraji P. Henson fan in the scene, which is my favorite scene is what she ends when she gives him that, that necklace. And at that point, I just, I'll be honest, I think it's very sweet. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, first of all, he's pimp. Like, who's a monster doing horrible things. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like she's like really sweet. She's like, Hey, you know what? I support you. And I really enjoyed singing in this. And I don't know. I just thought it was cute. And what I, what further gets me with that is like, that's not a cute scene. It's a prostitute talking to her pimp yeah. <laughs> about I like being on rats. But I got to be so, honest, she won me over with that. And I've been a Taraji P. Henson fan ever since that scene. And that was my favorite scene in the movie. I wish I, okay, I just have a question. Maybe I missed it, but like I did see the scene where she's like, where, where she's talking about her baby and he's like, yeah, whoever's, whoever the dad is, we don't know who that is, right? Was there ever a scene later where he acknowledged being the father of this child or is that just like left open for? No, so check it, bro. No, what he literally said was she, her, she's a prostitute and her daddy's some trick that we yeah. don't know. Yeah. So he's saying, I'm not the dad. Yeah. Right. Right. I first thought about that a little too much because I was like, honestly, I think he's a monster when he kicks uh, Paula Jai Parker out. Yeah. He's a monster. And then he's like, yeah. And the son. He's out too. Right. But so I didn't say this one. I'm like, man, how are you going to be your son like that? Which which is horrible. And he's a monster. But then I had to say this. I'm like, I don't know if that was his son. So he's probably just kind of like, fuck this. Like, right. But that's the thing is like, but still, he's still a monster. Between denying 
She's just be, like, I guess I thought that there was a chance that he was the father of Taraji P. Henson's son. And then Taraji P. Henson took it extremely hard whenever he kicked the other boy out of the house, right? Sobbing. So I'm just like, her character is just, but at the end, they're like, they're slobbing each other down, like making out. And she's like all for him. And I'm just like, hey, why are hey, they, why hey, is she hey, in love with him? Is he talking about this slobbing down? So I didn't throw this one out. So Rhonda. Rhonda thinks I talk about her on too much on this. So y'all let me know if I'm talking about You're, my wife too much. I mean, every but. time that you establish, every time you talk about her, you say that now. So it's, For real? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, All right. maybe, maybe just don't draw attention to it. Like. <laughs> you, you can just say it. You can just right. go into it. We so it. I'm watching this with Rhonda. And a big thing, me and Rhonda were in Chicago when they were filming Empire. And they were literally filming Empire, like, in our neighborhood. But long story short, when it was, like, kissing and stuff, Rhonda was like, I see why Taraji wanted him, why wanted uh wanted Terrence Howard to be on uh Empire. She liked kissing him. <laughs> yeah. The way they kiss, the way they kiss is like, yeah. man, they going at it. <laughs> yeah. Hey Al, man, I hope we ain't kind of like take your 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 uh take your, your 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 position and stuff. I know you was running us about Taraji in that scene, man. Do you have anything else to share regarding you know Taraji's performance? Oh man, like I said, it, it was one of those things where you like you said coming off baby boy it's kind of one of those things where we unfortunately when you see black actors and actresses you you don't want them to be like pigeonholed yeah and that, and that was the thing about it that's why i said her performance came through because she played very vulnerable in a way that probably very and at that time in her life she wouldn't have been like you know what I'm saying? and that's what made that's why i said she stood out because she showed that that range in the fact of because like baby boy probably was close to the best for her that was probably you know, hey, Jody, oh, yeah. I don't like, you know, that's probably close <laughs> to the best for her. Her autobiography, she's in a roundaway girl. And yeah. I got to be honest, just the way you see she's carried herself over the past 30 years. Yeah, I think that's kind of her vibe in real life. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, she probably. She's so in like a roundaway girl. So she had to kind of soften herself in that role. And you saw, like I said, the range. And so that's why I said it was a standout performance. Because everybody else in and of themselves played themselves um, themselves because even yeah. terrence howard you know the the, the main jokes have been following him for years man i'm telling yeah. you man i'm just yeah. I'm saying man you know right. it's be all right. hey, did you yeah. know that he lived a month in a memphis brothel researching oh my god i can't man so he i believe he that. interviewed 100 pips and 74 prostitutes and stayed in a memphis brothel for a month to research nigga they ain't research <laughs> Wow, I, I I hope. Oh my God, it it feels like you would want a month in a brothel. You're definitely coming out with something. You can, you're catching something. I, a man. week in a Memphis strip club. <laughs> <laughs> shake junk. That's what we call it. shake shake junk. Yeah, get it right. Don't call it. That. We don't have strip clubs. They have shake junks. Get it right, man. Oh man. Hey, it's a great thing, man. My wife's from up north. She's from Chicago. I had to explain to her what a shake junk is. She's like, "What's a shake junk?" <laughs> First of all, I had to back one up and explain to her what a junt is. Yeah, you got it. You my nor- I, I hope I make you proud. My northern wife is clearly understandable what a junt is. I'm pretty like, it's anything. Yeah, it's anything. It's, anything. <laughs> it, it, if, if it's like Philly John. It's like everybody's yep. got it. It's like, it, it's that vernacular. It's, that's it. So, man, we, we try to do kind of, you know, votes at the end of the day, right? I keep it simple. We're just not two of us. So we're not doing the uh, uh, Cisco and Ebert. But if I was going to give it simple, man, if you're going to give this two thumbs up, two thumbs down, one thumbs up, Alvin, how would you feel about this? And this is not your initial impression. This is uh, 17 years later. 
how would you how would you okay. rank 17 like i said i was going i was going to say i was going to break it up in the halves uh but uh break it no break it up how you want to bro okay so like i said initial reaction no thumbs up like i mm. told you because of my my misgivings about it in the beginning now with first time perspective i give it a thumb up it's not getting two thumbs up it's just gonna get the one okay yeah, yeah. and that's off of may i ask like what, what, what's giving like i said what? just as having perspective now knowing who who was involved in the movie and because like i said one of the things when you tell a story about memphis is um there is Memphis, like I said, I was alluding to earlier, Memphis, Chicago, like cities that they're major cities that there's still this kind of synergy. Well, this kind of you can feel Bruh, it. It ain't the only one. First of all, Memphis, Kansas City, Chicago, St. Louis. Well, yeah, I'm like <laughs> cities like that where you clear, you had this clear tension between white residents and black residents yeah. that permeates everyday life. And because like even now you'll see those maps are like the worst place to go in these states and always be Memphis. I was like, well, who, who did you ask? Like, you know what I'm saying? Worst states, which oh, yeah, is blackest yeah. cities. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, <laughs> it's always the blacks. You're like, oh, okay. So I know what this is. And so that's why I said, again, at that time, it bothered me because then I didn't have respect on who Craig Brewer was, the work he was doing. So I was like, uh, is he basically talking to the people that go to Corky's and Rendezvous who probably will never go to Neely's or A&R barbecue spots or places like that and getting their perspective to shape this movie. And so that's why I said, but with time perspective, I see it, I think is more than what Theo was talking about. They were trying to tell a 90s stories in 05, but they didn't, didn't do a good job of disclaiming that and being like, this is what, this is the 90s perspective. And that would have been more helpful. Yeah, that would have definitely been. I'm curious, you know, before you dip, I'm like, because now I'm like, why, this is kind of one of my first, like, impressions of Memphis as in somebody not from Memphis. I'm like, oh, yeah, hustle and flow. And also, also another, like, thing I think about is that, like, Drake uh, music video with his dad that was shot in Memphis. And I feel like there's very much, like, a pimp culture that I always now associate with Memphis. Because, like, I don't know, Drake dad, Drake's dad just kind of gives me, like, pimp culture vibes. And then, obviously, hustle and flow is, like a pimp story is that like a bit is that a, is that a part of like memphis culture to that level well or the thing is well with memphis well drake's dad did music and that's a stacks sun records all those places were there so you had like again you had like this cultural hub when it came like literally it's called the mid-south because literally it's bordering on arkansas mississippi and of course tennessee who are some so, of the biggest artists that come out of stacks records Oh man, you're gonna give me I can't even go down that list. There's so many great ones it's like the BB King. Nate, give me the three biggest. Ooh, Otis Redden, Isaac Otis Hayes. Redden, yeah, BB King, people like that. So you got yeah. all these people. And so that's what more of what the culture is. And that's kind of the blues and that kind of thing shapes it. Um, I mean, there is of course pimp culture, but you know, I wouldn't say any more than any other city. And so, like all of those things kind of shaped it. And so that's important to telling the story. And again, I feel like it, it was very one-sided and one-dimensional in a way mm. that kind of, like I said, presents it in a way that What, kinda... what, would, actually, the film, what would be t- the film that you would recommend, um, Alvin, uh, for me to get a better representation of, of Memphis culture? Man, there's a couple. Um, and, then, and like I said, they're not really music-related. The one that I can think of right now, top of my head, is called Undefeated. It's about uh, a high school. Uh, I can't remember the name of the high school right now. I think they closed it down. But it was basically East? East. No, no, no. East still open. Um, it was in North. I remember they had the best football squad. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it. 
but they talk about like that process and what you're dealing with and the, the city. And like I said, it, talk, it touches on a racial point, sports component. That's a good one. Undefeated. It's a, it's on Netflix. Mm. Definitely something you want to check out. And it helps you give you perspective on the city and kind of it's evergreen to me. It's very evergreen. Nice. Okay. It's a docu-series. Do they do like a different undefeated? Do, do, do they focus on a different football team every year? No, that one, that one was just, the, that was a movie. I think oh, they probably used that to spin off to probably make a docu-series. Uh, that one was yeah. a movie. It's very good. It's a very good movie. I'm going to check that out. Hey, hey, Theo, I'm really actually glad that you asked that question about Memphis and pimp culture because um, I actually honestly think this. So I'm really going to particularly bring up Detroit. I'm going to bring up our dad. Right. So let's bring up Detroit. Right. Man, there's a portion of Detroit. There's like some of that pimp culture. Now, it's not the predominant thing in Detroit, but there is some of that pimp culture. Right. But I got to be honest, I think it's a little bit more of this. You know what? So when I see Drake's dad. I see our dad, honestly. And so Drake's dad kind of gives me old school play of ours. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? You know, old school players. Right. I mean, old school players is like you can tell back in the day they had a thing and then. They still also kind of stuck in <laughs> the late yeah. 80s, early 90s when yeah. they did that thing and they still stuck there. But then somehow they kind of like, I don't know, ladies still like them. <laughs> it's just like, right. I don't get this. <laughs> like, yeah. You're doing this old school player thing. So so I hear you. Hustle and flow. It's about a pimp. And right there, you can see that. But me personally, I, I don't really take that. I kind of just take when I see when I see Drake's dad, I see our dad, uh, which is I see a whole bunch of and actually not even Drake's dad. Also, when I see a whole bunch of older black men. In Memphis, I also equate them to a whole bunch of older black men I see in Detroit, right? Yeah. And in one view, you could be like, man, these are a whole bunch of shady pimps. Or another way, you could be like, man, it's just an old school player. That's a bunch There's some dudes people. who are just kind of right. like old and cool. And yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm not going to leave my wife around and by, by, by herself. <laughs> no, <that ain't, laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Because like I said, there's always, because in, in my travels, there are certain cities where I'm like, oh, okay, I feel that kinship. To work to the similar vibe that Memphis has, like Detroit is one of those cities. I talk about Chicago, Oakland in some ways has some of that too. Yeah, like you, yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. you had these. You know, Theo lives in Oakland, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the reason I mentioned it because it's like you, you <laughs> see these little these little synergies there as far as black culture, especially when it comes to old heads, because their sensibilities they share, they're, right? Like they're universal in certain ways. So it's like oh, I can see, you know, this even though this is like Memphis in this way, this is like Detroit in this way. And that's right. kind of what happens. Every man has the right to contribute a first. So, um, Theo, Malcolm, would you guys like to share with us some of your first initial thoughts or initial impressions on Hustle and Flow? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was good. I think I saw it inside of a theater years ago. I don't think I've seen it since I watched it earlier this week. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, I feel like my first impression was like seeing a trailer of it and I was like, probably like in junior or senior in high school. And I was like, man, this looks like, like a terrible representation of black people. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, cool. Like another like pimp story. Um, or like, another, I don't know. Like that was like my woke high school perspective on it, but I ended up seeing it at some point and I was like, Oh, this is actually like not too bad. Uh, you know, like it, I feel like they, they approached it like, you know, like they, they had, it had really great cinematography. Um, I love the, the kind of the opening of it. 
Um, Terrence Howard is just like, I mean, he's authentic to that character. Like, I'm like, I believe you, nigga. You are a pimp. I get it. Like, yes. I see you doing I, this in yes, real life. I see you. Right. It's like one of those things where I'm weirdly like, if this doesn't, this doesn't seem like a stretch for him. Something like, I like about his character <laughs> is when he's like talking and you can tell he's really in this pimp shit. Cause I'm like, dude, you're talking, but you're not saying shit. Right. It's like one of those, I mean, and it's like one of those things where I think this, of course I'd seen Terrence Howard in other things, but it's like, this is his most memorable uh, character maybe to that point. So it's like, that's when you really get him. And now afterwards I'm like, is, is he, did he just get lost in that character? Cause he doesn't like, now I see him in other things. I'm like, I still kind of hear the Terrence Howard in Hustle and Flow, like pimp voice with-, with No, so kid. the only way I would disagree with that is I first saw him big in Best Man. And so if you ask me in Best Man, he's still kind of been that character from Best Man. Right. And I feel like Hustle and Flow was like the Southern grimy yeah. version of his character. Like, yeah. I feel like his character in Best Man was a Northern educated version. Right, right. <laughs> and the Southern uneducated version was like <laughs> right. what he saw in Hustle and Flow. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, but uh, I don't know. It's the... I still I feel I feel mixed about it. There, there are things it did go in a different direction than even I remembered. I don't remember Anthony Anderson being like as such a a, a, a pivotal character to the movie. Um, I also I, yeah, I mean, I think it's got some good actors in it. There's a lot of laughs. Um, I feel like it could, yeah, it could almost like they, it could almost be considered like a dark comedy um in some respects very much so very yeah much so. no it's so, very funny and it's, yeah. they do a lot of that awkwardness when it's like hey him and his hoes coming with like people that aren't in that life right right so i think it, i think it's uh it's got a lot of redeemable qualities um story-wise i don't know i just i mean at the end of it i was just like okay like i guess i thought i was gonna see him as the main Terrence Howard's character. What is his name? Uh, DJ. Uh, yeah, DJ. Fuck with right. me, DJ. Fuck DJ, with me, DJ. Right. I guess I, I thought I was gonna see him. Um, I don't know. Like he, like I don't know if I would care if he wins. I think he's, I think he's kind of a shitty person throughout. And you kind see of him, a shitty person. Yeah, I think he's, he's a horrible person and a monster. He yeah. kicked his baby mama out and his kid. Yeah, out of the house and he's pimp. So I'm like, why do I want him? Why why are they why are they shooting it like we should want this dude to win? It was a nice pimp though. It was like the nicest <laughs> pimp I've ever watched in my entire life. He was super compared to a typical pimp. He was very <laughs> nice and was very tolerant in a lot of situations that your typical pimp wouldn't. So you know, yeah, that's so that's what I mean. Like, there. I also feel like that's like a, a nice pimp. murderer, right? Right. Hey, it's a guy who murders people, but he's nice about right. it. And, and no, you know what? no, murder is. is Murder is Murder. a is a worse situation than a pimp. That's so that's like I mean, but you still have to actively get in it. I feel like it's like he was a nice that Nazi guy. That Nazi was like pretty nice for a Nazi. Like no nah, I mean? man, nah, he had a, he had a good heart, man. He had a good heart. You know what I mean? Like what? He wanted, yo, he was trying no, to bring actually, up. No, so I'm gonna give Malcolm some points. And actually, I think it's a good thing is sometimes you can't help. The situations that you're born into yeah mm-hmm. right and also i don't think that you should judge people for the situations that they're born into right yeah so there is a bit of nature versus nurture right nature is the situation that you're born into nurture is um you know how you adapt to that so 
to, to Malcolm's point, I think Malcolm was kind of like, hey, you know, he's not the worst one, but yeah, in relative me, comparison, I also think me and Theo are kind of like, so I'm less on judging because he's a pimp. But I will say this though, when he kicked his baby mama out, and then honestly, it was it was less kicking the baby mama out. Once he like was like, yeah, and the kid, I was like, oh, dude, you're a horrible person. You are, yeah, you but like think about typical typical pimp behavior. <laughs> if if his if uh you know that that chick was like you know. Tom I'm gonna hit you, and I'm gonna kick you out. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna no, beat no. you up, and I'm gonna kick you out. Yeah, but like, think about it though. If like, if a normal pimp psych hoe was like acting like that and was like, you know, um, taunting him the way she was, he would have beat her up. He didn't beat her up. He threw her out. And not that I'm saying it's good behavior, but relative to other pimp behavior, he was on the lighter side of being like a good pimp. So, like, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, he was, wasn't was a good person. No, it's not good. I'm that he was, yeah. like, with a good you heart. know, Gandhi or anything like that. But I'm yeah, saying, no, he relative was not. comparison to other pimps, he was a no, nice so he, No, no, so he wasn't a, how are you going to say it? He wasn't a, a socio, he wasn't a sociopathic pimp. Yeah, he didn't want to be mean just to be, like, mean. Yeah, for just pimp I mean? up it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I want to pimp gross just for pimp up it. He was more of kind of like. I'm trying to survive, which I would say this, but I feel like he speaks a lot too in his rap, in his in his, in his rhymes. A lot yeah. of the stuff in his rhymes, he's like, I'm just trying to survive. Right. I'm just trying to pay rent. It's not easy. And I, it ain't my Hard turn yet, man. Yeah, it ain't my turn yet, but Rhonda kind of laughing at me. Yeah, I'm doing podcasts. I'm an engineer by trade, right? I'm approaching 40. So I'm embarrassed to almost say, I was like, dang, seeing DJ being like, yo, man, I'm approaching 40. You know what? I want to kind of go into like something I feel passionate about. I'm embarrassed to say that's kind of how I felt about podcasting. <laughs> I'm like, dang it. DJ's going through a midlife crisis. Is that, is that, am I doing the same thing? But yeah. Whoa, I'm not a pimp. Deep. Hey, bro. <laughs> we need to get a psychologist on here. Uh-oh, this is real. This is like, that's why you guys. So maybe that can make, maybe you guys can understand why I've been sending you guys so many texts every day for the past. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, oh, okay. That's <laughs> But what, all right, so my, all right, so I, I will give you that he was on the nicer side of pimping sometimes, but all I guess it's, just, but like, it was also still like, Taraji P. Henson's character was distraught when that little boy got kicked out. And then it's like, it's not like Terrence Howard went up to her afterwards, they're like brought the little boy back in. Like, they're just, they just keep it moving. And then she's like, yeah, I'll sing the hook on your song. Like, and it was just like, he kept on getting forgiven for doing almost like, unforgivable things um because at the end of the movie towards the end of the movie he basically he, i mean he literally pimps out um uh, the other pimp uh, the other girl um Karen manning's character uh, yeah, Taren, nola. yeah nola he pimps out nola to the pawn shop owner so that he can get a microphone and i would say and, i was disappointed in him at that point that was a disappointing moment for me and i was it, like come on man but she still goes on to be like yeah i'm gonna like hustle your your album out and like the the most well she was his main investor um because she had sex with with somebody for his microphone right yeah there she yeah. was main investor no, yeah. here, here's how i see it here's how i see it guys so and i may be incorrect but here's how i see her character and his character i feel like she really summarized it in that one sentence she was like yo sometimes i need you to fuck with my head because sometimes I, my head needs fucking with. So sometimes yeah. in, in lower words, she's like, I need you to pimp me. I need you to spit this game to me. I need this. Right. And not to say it's right or wrong, but I unfortunately I had to say this. I feel like that's like real world stuff. Right. Um, 
But um, and unfortunately, I had to say this too. It's very sad to see, but in regards to the Taraji P. Henson character, I could see that. Because unfortunately, say this, she was a prostitute living with three other prostitutes with their pimp. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, as sad as I can see it, I think that's truthful. Yeah, I do think that on Tuesday, she could be like, I'm crying because my pimp kicked out his kid. But on Wednesday, I'm going to sing the hook on this song because you know what? He pays my rent and I don't know where else I'm going to do next. Right. And, I'm and she said she was honored pimp. by the opportunity. Yeah, opera. she's honored by it and stuff. Right. So and so sometimes I would I, honestly, I think I would think about that when I was younger. And I'm glad that I'd be like, oh, my God, how can that be a thing? But I could see how it honestly could realistically be a thing. So, but he it's, is it's he's like responsible for like he it's it's just like it's exactly what pimps do right it's like they put you in a fucked up situation but they give you a couple of uh you know they they give you a couple of dollars or you know they they uh dangle a carrot in front of you and they tell you that the shit is amazing so then they it's like manipulative then these prostitutes look at these pimps like oh my god he's my savior i won't be able to do anything but it's like nah like they're also kind of the reason that you're in this fucked up situation to begin with. So pimps don't, like, pimps don't pimp your body, they pimp your mind. Exactly. And so it's like every, like it, the only reason why he gets the adoration and the support and the devotion from them is because of that cyclical like mentality, which is like, he may, he doesn't, he probably isn't even smart enough to realize that he, that that's what's happening. You know what I mean? Is this is like manipulative relationship where they need him but the reason why they need him is because he's got them in that situation. Uh, but yeah, uh, first impression on Hustle and Flow uh, again in rewatch. It was, um, yeah, uh, it's about a pimp and I'm supposed to feel good for the pimp, but I don't because um, he's horrible. What about you, Mally? Um, So for, for me, my first impression, I mean, my first time watching the movie was probably uh, like on DVD with uh uh, mom and dad just like you know just regular weeknight or whatever have you um when I was younger probably like 12 or 13 I think that was probably the uh what put me on Terrence Howard um you know for the first time that's what put him on my radar seeing him in that movie um um I probably didn't even recognize that like who Isaac Hayes was or is I didn't I probably didn't know like I just watched it this time and I was like oh dang Isaac Hayes was in this movie and oh man Anthony Anderson was in this movie and Mally uh did you know that Isaac Hayes is from Memphis no I didn't know Isaac Hayes was from Memphis yeah Ronda Ronda didn't know that either so uh when I was watching with her she was like and so so let's just throw something out there Mally uh if you want to do a little Wikipedia research Memphis has their own version of Motown and it's called oh, wow. stacks. It's called stacks records, bro. Just do a quick Wikipedia research on it. Cause when you okay. do a, a, a quick Google search on, on stacks, you're going to be like, Oh my God, this artist, that artist, this artist. And it's honestly Southern Motown. And it was okay. Were they popping like in the same time too as Mike Motown? Yeah, actually okay. I want to say this. It was more seventies. Okay. And if you ask me, Theo, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the thing that Motown did was Motown was great hours, but they were able to cross over. They were able to reach white audiences. Uh, Stax was like that Southern stuff. So it was that Southern soul, right? But it was great music. Al Green, Otis Redden. So yeah, check out Stax Records, man. Okay, I'll check them out. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, So, you know, I also forgot was in this movie was uh, DJ Qualis, uh, 
the engineer uh, in the movie, um, you know, the skinny, the skinny white dude. Um, and, you know, it, it was kind of just kind of coincidental. I just watched um, a road trip. Well, I, I've seen it before, but I watched road trip this past weekend. He's in that. Um, wow. And- you watched it this past weekend. So have yeah. you ever get any thoughts to this family? I'm, I'm surprised that you brought this on up. So they go in that movie to university of Tennessee and they visit a black frat house. Nah, bro. You're thinking of a different movie in road trip. Yeah, in road trip, that's a different movie. Yeah, in road trip, they 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 go down to Austin, Texas. Um, so yeah, it's it's different in road trip. Yeah, it's it's all the way down to Austin, Texas. So you might you might be thinking of a different movie, but no, uh, I'm not thinking of a different movie. Road trip came out in 2000. Yeah, stopped in Memphis. Oh, and before they stopped oh, in Memphis, they were in University of Tennessee. Okay, yeah, the no, University no, 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 of Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. They, they were in a black fraternity. I you were saying they were going to Memphis. I no, they, they stopped at a black fraternity. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. A black <laughs> fraternity. And Malcolm University was Tennessee. like, Malcolm was like, hey, you're talking about something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that means a lot to me because I was in a black fraternity at the University of Tennessee and it doesn't get represented in movies that often. Yeah. Gotcha. But the nice. but the and our frat houses house, don't, and our frat houses at UT don't look like that. The yeah. black ones don't at least. Yeah, I was like, that shit is beautiful. Yeah. The white ones do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that dude who was also in the, um that movie, The New Guy, too, which also came out. He was killing it in the early 2000s. So DJ Qualis. Yeah. Oh, his name is actually DJ, but yeah. he was playing DJ's. Producer, producer, yeah, or yeah. engineer. Or oh, and he's from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, originally. Wow, okay. that makes sense. I feel like honestly, like DJ Qualls and Taryn Manning are like, they're like, okay, we need like somebody who looks really white trash. Is, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, who's DJ? Like, what is DJ and Taryn doing? Because they they play white trash characters mwah, perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> You know who could probably could have fit into this? And not to say that he's white trash. He's anything but white trash. He's actually one of the coolest uh, <laughs> white brothers I know. Theo, do you remember Ted Welch? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I almost feel like Ted Welch could have. Because like DJ Qualls, uh, Taryn Manning. Are you guys aware that Taryn Manning is Peyton and Eli Manning's cousin? Oh, no way. Are you serious? That's yeah, crazy. So, so let's, just, let's just break her down. The white prostitute <laughs> with the cornrows. In Hustle and Flow is Peyton and Eli Manning's cousin. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's been she'd been in a lot of stuff though. It's like, you know, she she blew up kind of after this. Um she was in yeah, eight mile. That's crazy. She, she was on um um Orange is the New Black. Black. Yeah. 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 She's been in like a lot of movies. I mean, yeah, she's like like after this movie, I think she really kind of popped. Um, uh, but yeah, uh I think that it was also that was that kind of brings you to the next point. Like I think it was like a really really good blend. Like and it was that diverse group of uh, um for the cast. Cast it was like you know a mix of, uh you know headline actors, uh, Terrence Howard, Ludacris. Um, well I'm, I don't know about Ludacris as an actor, but headline you know a list actor or a list celebrity. Um, and you know just new up and comers like you know uh, DJ Qualls at the time uh you know taryn manning so uh, i i just thought it was a really really good blend so um you know those are my my uh first impressions good stuff good stuff so my first impression um i would say 
I loved it. Um, I saw it when I was in um, Indianapolis. It was my first year out of graduating college at University of Tennessee. And I got to be honest, it really made me miss. Um, it really made me miss uh, Tennessee. Oh, you're getting choked up here, Eddie? And Memphis, no. Um, I saw it with one of my, so I'm an alpha. And I actually saw it with uh, a brother who was from Memphis. His name is uh, Shannon Jackson. He's actually a doctor. Yes, he actually has his own podcast. And uh, Shannon is a Kappa, uh, a brother of Kappa Alpha Psi from Memphis. And we watched it together in Indianapolis. And I got to be honest, I was a little bit like you, Theo. I had low expectations. I was kind of like, what's the deal with this? And man, it it really got me. I really enjoyed it. It was really great seeing it. And um, I thought it was actually a good movie. I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Um, It made me nostalgic. And uh, I feel like it wouldn't be a true uh, Memphis movie about hip hop if you didn't have any of Three Six Mafia involved with it in any in any aspect. So if it was a hip hop movie about Memphis that didn't involve Three Six, I'd have been like, "This is nothing to me." So the fact that they, I was like, "Yeah, Three Six Mafia was influential in writing a lot of the songs," and then you saw their, um, and you saw their, uh, they did cameos. It was great. And the last thing I'll say off of my first impression, why this movie meant so much to me, um, you know, I ain't gonna be front. So I grew up in a very white suburb uh, of Nashville, Hendersonville, Tennessee. And then I went to University of Tennessee in the early 2000s. And um, to be frank, about 90% of the black people at University of Tennessee from, were from Memphis. And uh, at age 18, 19, 20, uh, I would say this, I just felt that I got so um, accepted and involved and um, appreciative of the Memphis culture. And it's almost felt like the first time I really felt like I was a, a black man. So I'm not from Memphis. I'm a proud Nashvilleian and Tennessean, but uh, it this movie really just means a lot to me the first time I saw it. And uh, this is not my first time seeing it since I initially saw it, but it surprised me how much more um, just seeing it, it just makes me recall. I'm, I'm a proud Tennessean, even though I wasn't born there, I grew up there and Tennessee's in my blood. And even though I didn't grow up in Memphis, uh, a lot of my friends, my closest friends are from there. And um, I just love this movie. And again, it had three six involved in it. And um, I thought it had some great performances. And last thing I would say on this is I honestly felt that it was seeing one of my favorite movies by one of my favorite uh, directors, John Singleton. I felt like he just did Boys in the Hood, but through a different prism, showing it in Memphis. And I feel like he like he brought he went from south from showing a spotlight on South Central Los Angeles to showing a spotlight on Orange Mound, Memphis, Tennessee. So it just meant a lot to me. And I, I really, 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 really forgot how much I enjoyed this movie and how much it meant to me. Everybody got to have a train. So one in a million shot. I'm a hooded in bed. Cause sometimes that's what you gotta do. It ain't the size of a dog in a fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. So with that, I kind of we, we kind of talked about our first impressions. Um, kind of pivot. Anybody got any uh, thoughts or feedback they want to share in regards to their favorite scene or favorite performance? Um, I can share. Um, my favorite scene was probably um, whenever whenever they were like producing whoop that trick. Like I just like how that scene kind of just built just to well like, the whole build up they show they yeah. they show from like him saying he'd be like 
hit that bitch, whoop that trick, right? And they're like, all yeah. right, you know, let's go on that. Oh, and then yeah, they man. and then they build up the hook, and then and then they build up the hook, and he comes back in there and lays on the track. I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah. So that that one was tight. Um, my my uh, the scene that I thought was the funniest was probably whenever uh, DJ. And his girls meet Anthony Anderson and his wife um, as, you know, the as the producer Key's wife, uh, you know, the wife and, you know, the and the, uh, you know, the prostitutes are just like all in like the living room together, just talking and stuff like that. And I just thought that scene was just kind of really funny because of how like awkward it was. Um, and she just like <laughs> didn't know like really how to relate to them. Um, and it was just like, I don't know, just really funny dialogue that was going on in that scene. Um, uh, she was like, "How you get your hair like that?" She's like, yeah. Yeah, "I got some. I got somebody in Georgetown." <laughs> <laughs> so that actress who is playing uh, Anthony Anderson's wife, her name's Elise Neal. She's actually from Memphis. Oh dang! Yeah, they just got everybody that was like in the surrounding. Hey, also, one thing quick. Yeah, actually, one thing quick facts out here, Theo. So I think you're fully aware that Taraji P Henson went to uh, Howard University, but did you know that there's other two other cast members in this movie that went to Howard? Anthony Anderson. And Paula Ja Parker. There you go. That's what's up. So there's three Howard University grads in this movie. Nice. Um, My bad, so, Mally. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, you good? You good? Uh, so, for my breakout performances, um, I would say this is a tie for me between Terrence Howard and uh, Taryn Manning. Um, I thought I just like both of their characters a lot. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Taryn Manning, like, you know, she just, she just kind of killed it in a role. Um, I thought she had, she's, I thought, I thought, I thought, she, was just, I thought she was really good too. Yeah. And if I want to say this, I don't think, first of all, I'm not going to say that she's not pretty. I'm not going to say that, but I will say this. I don't think that she has your typical Hollywood beauty looks. Right. But I think she's very talented. And so that's what I was actually happy to see her in Orange is the New Black, because I feel like she's got very great talent, but yeah not typical hollywood looks so i like to see her in things so yeah yeah she's got a lot of range you know like from this character compared to her character inside of orange and the new black like you know those are those are completely different um sides of the spectrum uh for sure and, you know that's pretty much all i had all to say i just thought that terry Man- crushed it and um you know terrence howard you know I, th- I thought his accent was really really funny um i don't know if that was like a genuine like memphis pimp accent or not but i just feel like the producers just like say Maine a lot and you know you got it so you must have like already kind of had it down um but um my funniest moment was probably whenever dj was telling the baby uh that he can't be crying like no bitch like that that part was cracking me up because i'm like thinking like yo this is like a baby he doesn't understand what you're saying anyway and he's just like you know talking to him like he's like you know, an adolescent kid. So I thought that that was kind of a funny scene too. But yeah, that's all I had. Fuck with me, DJ. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what I what I said earlier in regards to my favorite scenes, I think I wrapped it on up earlier. Not to not to wrap it on up. I mentioned um, I don't think any of y'all feel me, and that's cool with it. My favorite scene is honestly, um, Taraji P Henson giving him the necklace. It chokes me up. And it's the last thing I expect to see from this movie. When I first all sat down with this movie, I'm like, some MTV movie about hip hop in Memphis starring, Taraj, starring Terrence Howard. I did not expect to ever have a scene where I'd be like, man, that's actually kind of like some stuff. 
And uh, yeah, so I just really want to go with that and, and Taraji P. Henson's uh, performance. But so now I'm not going to talk about so much. I want to tell y'all, I want to spill some tea. So now I want to spill some tea. Here's a little bit of gossip that I did on a little of my research. So <clears throat> Paula Ja Parker, do y'all know who Paula Ja Parker is? Nah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, DJ had three prostitutes. Oh, right? yeah. She's the one that went to Howard. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One was a white chick. Craig's ghetto was... girlfriend from Friday, right? Yeah, exactly. So Craig's ghetto girlfriend from Friday, right? Uh, what's my... So the rumor is, so me and Rhonda remember this. Paula Jai Parker used to be acting in everything. She acted in a lot of stuff. The last thing you saw her acting was this movie. All right. And again, I know I'm a little bit older than y'all. So unfortunately, the rumor is this. She got blackballed. And fortunately, and I think we got to talk about the good and the bad, right? We're trying to honor folks. We got to talk about the good and bad. The rumor mill is this. Paula Jopp Parker was dating John Singleton, who produced this movie. John Singleton got her the role. She then ended up sleeping with another guy who was a production assistant on the movie. And then started talking about how John Singleton ain't got it. And the other production assistant does. And then John Singleton's friends started making fun of him. Uh, then Paula Jai Parker doesn't act in any movies in Hollywood ever again after that. Well, that's clearly debatable. Like one Google search will show you multiple movies that came out after this. Like big Before. movies though? Good ones? Idlewild. That came out the next year. Oh! suck what do you mean okay 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 so no no okay 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 no 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 let me let me correct any i mean she hasn't been out in a large major scale movie since idlewild which came out the same year as that it came out a year which was 50 which was 17 years ago yeah she's definitely been on the tv circuit more during that time period and then look at her career before then i mean nothing that nothing good it's, yeah, uh, so it's not fair to say really good? That there was Friday, a wait, wait, Friday? Friday ain't good? Friday was their second movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, Friday was good. That was her second movie. So that was, like, early on in her career. Then she was in a bunch of, like, not good things. <laughs> like, And then she was in uh, Hustle and Flow. And then she was in Idlewild. And then she was in, yeah, a bunch of, like, straight TV movies. But then she, her TV career really hit, uh, jumped off after that. She was in Lilo and Stitch. She was in CSI, Miami, she, and oh, the okay. original. She was in My Name is Earl. She was like so many. Okay. Yeah. So she actually, her TV career went off. So maybe she got blackballed from movie John Hollywood. Singleton movies? John Singleton <laughs> movies. I mean, honestly, what was John Singleton's movies after Hustle and Flow, though? Empire. Empire. So she got, but Empire came out like Snowfall. a decade and a half afterwards. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Okay. But, okay. So maybe it wasn't <laughs> as juicy as I thought it was. <laughs> uh, but that, right. yeah, maybe she, I'm sure she. So what do you guys think about getting into final reviews? Uh, maybe we start with you, Theo. I mean, Thumbs you didn't up. even ask me about my, my, my favorite character. Oh, shit, I didn't. Yeah, my, my bad. Favorite. My bad. My bad. Uh, so. I'll do it real quick though, and then I'll just give you my thumbs up and thumbs down. So hey, we're going uh, to overtime. We're going to overtime, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, so like uh for me, I think it I think the breakout star for me um was probably uh T 
Taryn, pa- yeah, uh, Manning, right? Taryn Manning. Like, I think she's she she did it. She killed her role. Um, felt really good. Um, and then breakout and like most memorable scene. Um, it's probably after. Was it like after they do the whoop that trick scene and then like they're just smoking a joint outside and DJ qualls it's coming like, back to the south man yeah everything's <laughs> coming back to the south like he's like a ner- like he's nerding out on like memphis like being like you know the future of music or whatever um that was a pretty funny scene can uh, i ask you can, i don't interrupt but you know what i noticed son and i and I, maybe i got this when you're finding out about coming to america but i noticed a lot in a lot of black movies like for hollywood to produce it they're like cool let's have a black movie but we need to have a white character in it to make people feel comfortable and uh, rest in peace. And um, fortunately, we have to do a lot of rest in pieces this week. But amongst others, uh, rest in peace to Louis Anderson. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys have been doing the research on coming to America, but Eddie Murphy wasn't feeling that because Louis Anderson wasn't coming to America pretty much because how the, the producers were like, yeah, we need to get a white comedian in this. It can't be all black. Mm. So sometimes that's how I feel about like DJ Qualls and... Um, and Taryn Manning in this, it's like, yeah, it's going to be a black hip hop Memphis story, but it can't be all black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess. And I did just pick my breakout star and breakout scene. Both are after white <laughs> ones in it. So now I feel some type of way about that. Uh, I actually, you know, what? I'm going to change it. I feel like this, like Lud- Ludacris is, is surprisingly like works well in this. I forgot it was in it. And then also, yeah, like that whole scene at the end where like Terrence Howard's the whole like, scene at the end, it catches yeah. you by surprise. And then you're like, oh, wait, he's going to get it work out. You're like, oh man, it's going to work out. And then I love it when he picks it on out there and he beats the shit out of him. You're like, oh, wait, oh shit, he's in the shootout? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, they went, they went real kind of, that was like, that was like not what I was expecting at all. And I think that I, I give, I give this movie like a better rating because they went, in a completely different direction at the end uh, with that scene. And um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like a happy, sad ending because it was like, whatever. Like as a rapper, as an up and coming rapper, a shootout with another up and co- uh, with another cele- celebrity rapper is actually probably one of the best things that you can have for your career. As long yes. as you don't No, die, no, no, right? no, no, check it on out. <laughs> you know what that is? That's in 2005. I mean, him beating up a rapper is pretty much the, 22, 20, the 2022 version of going viral. Right. <laughs> it's like, like, and, and that's what it is. He went viral. He went, he went viral. That's kind of how, like, Paperboy in, on Atlanta. Yeah, it's like Atlanta. Notoriety, yeah. right? Because <laughs> it's like he has an altercation, and now people know him for that altercation. They're like, all right, I'll listen to his music. Man, <laughs> hey, bro, we're going to talk about this separately, but now you bring that on up, I feel like the more I'd be finding out about film writing and TV writing, it's people just telling their own stories, particularly. Have you guys seen Encanto? Now I'm going off the top. Have you seen Encanto? I haven't Encanto? seen it yet. Everybody else has seen it. It is Encanto. <laughs> Which you had tried to correct yourself. Encanto? I, I, thought, I, thought I thought it was good. Maybe I shouldn't compare it to uh, Coco. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't compare it to Coco, but it wasn't yeah. good as Coco. Coco <laughs> is that shit. And it's all right and stuff. But but um, what I was bringing up is this. If you look at the director, of Encanto, and you look at the main character in Kanto, they look exactly the same. And so the more I'd be researching, I'd be feeling like people who film right pretty much just tell their stories. 
<laughs> Again, Boys in the Hood is pretty much the John Singleton story. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, All right. Man. I mean, except for like boring white dudes. If you're a boring white dude, then you get to make Star Wars, and <laughs> and they're like, yeah, uh, I don't really have a cool story, so let me starring let me just... boring white dudes, right? <laughs> With a black sidekick, right? Right. <laughs> shout out, shout out to George Lucas. <laughs> so, um, what we got? Let's give this on our on our final rankings before we go into a deep dive on the spotlight. I'll give it a one thumbs up. Fuck you, Melly. I gave it a two thumbs up. I loved it. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm I'm a two thumbs up with this. Y'all, y'all may have expected some stuff. Oh, I'm two thumbs way up. And uh, you surprised me? I just I just told you how much I loved it the first time and how much I loved it oh, now yeah. and how much it made oh, yeah. to me. You yeah, caught my surprise right. on that. Right. But that's yeah. but that's what always kind of caught me by surprise. I was kind of like I did not expect that, and I was like, oh man, this is actually a, a good movie. I like the music. One of the biggest things that really surprised me when I first saw it, and maybe I'll close with this before we transition to spotlight, is this. I did not think Terrence Howard was going to be able to, like, hold his own as being a rapper or acting as a rapper. And I'm going to say this. He wasn't 100% there, but he was enough, right? He was enough to kind of, for me to be like, okay, I believe him, right? As opposed to, you know, someone... I just couldn't pull, just pull it off at all. So. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. Hey man, for sure. You bring him in, help him develop our sound. You know he's white, right? No, he just light skin. All right, fellas. So I think we discussed uh, hustle and flow uh, a lot uh, amongst ourselves and with our uh, guest Alvin Newsom. So um, <clears throat> with that, I think it's be a good opportunity for us to take a pivot and take a deep dive. What do we always like to do here is to discuss um, <clears throat> uh, the careers of people of color that are in film and to further highlight what was their entry point to get into the industry. Um, today, who we decided to focus on in particular in Hustle and Flow is Taraji P. Henson. Um, so just a little bit on her information, her story. She was born in September 11th, 1970 in Washington, D.C. She actually uh, initially went to school at North Carolina A&T, where both of our parents, Ed and Denise Hollingsworth, went to school. Um, but she ended up graduating from Howard University, uh, where my brother Theo um, graduated from and is a proud alum. So <clears throat> I was actually surprised to see that Taraji P. Henson had both uh, the North Carolina A&T connections, which my family has connections to, um, in addition to our Howard connections, which she has uh, connections to our family. Um, so again, she, uh, she graduated from high school in, uh, in Maryland. And <clears throat> she initially started, um, when she was in school at Howard, um, she worked as a secretary at the Pentagon, and she actually also acted as a singer um, on a cruise ship, uh, the, what do they call it? The Spirit of Washington, um, which is right out, outside of Washington, D.C. So how did she start breaking into film and TV roles? In the 90s, uh, she had a lot of roles inside of television. 
Um, nothing of super significance in the 90s. Uh, just a few things to mention. The Parenthood, Smart Guy, Sister Sister, ER, Saved by the Bell, The New Class, Felicity, Pacific Blue, Murder, She Wrote. Um, those were in the early 2000s of her TV experiences. But then she really started picking on up with her film performances, particularly with starring in John Singleton's film, Baby Boy. And as I mentioned earlier, I was not that impressed with uh, her character or that performance. But uh, after that, she then started acting in Hustle and Flow, where she started to really pick up a lot of acclaim. And then after that, I got to be honest, uh, something that uh, something in our community we refer to as becoming white famous. But I think she started becoming white famous after uh, starring in Hustle and Flow and Four Brothers, which we reviewed last week. Things really started picking up for her once she uh, acted in uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, where she acted as Brad Pitt's uh, mother. And she got nominated for an Oscar. So that's what we want to refer to as when she started becoming white famous. That's when things really started picking up for her. She acted in Larry Crown, No Good Deed. Top Five, which is a, um, a movie starring Chris Brock. Hidden Figures, which is a very acclaimed role. I think that got uh, nominated for Oscars. Proud Mary. And most recently, What Men Want, which was... Uh, actually based here in East Atlanta. And uh, interestingly enough, me and my wife, we sometimes visit a, a lot of the places where that movie was filmed, uh, particularly Pont City Market, which is here on the east side of Atlanta. So those are a lot of her movie roles. And again, in TV roles, um, I'm just going to say her big one in the 2000s is she was in Empire. Um, she had a role as Cookie Lion. where she won uh, a lot of awards. And um, she won a Golden Globe as Cookie Lion. <clears throat> and um, I think that's really what's picked things a lot for her. And something that got me and my wife pretty excited, uh, Empire, they were filming that in Chicago in our neighborhood at the time when we were living there. And um, me and her, me and Taraji P. Henson actually frequented the same grocery store together. So I was never the same time as her. <laughs> but the... the uh, the cashiers would tell us that, oh man, you guys just missed Taraji. She lived in the same building where we did our grocery stores. So that's my my little uh, flash of being close to her. But yeah, before you should, open... just, you should just not even use that one. That, that, <laughs> was, that, was, a, that was a pretty pretty whack connection. But all right. So, so before I bring it up, <laughs> she, to you she, fellas, she's been in these aisles before. I ain't never seen her there, but we get, carry, <laughs> get produce from the same section of the grocery grocery, grocery store. Anyway, she means a lot to me because um, I got to be honest, after seeing Regina King's career and seeing Taraji P. Henson's career, um, I was actually honestly really happy to see her, her autobiography titled All Around the Way Girl. She's a girl from D.C. Uh, who had divorced parents who uh, took her way through college uh, at Howard University. And now she's one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, America. And she's an around the way girl. And I got to be honest, she seemed like she'd be someone to cool to hang out with. So um, just like I would say the same thing about Regina King, it's very inspiring and it's very, um, it just makes me feel happy to see black women, just not only black people, black women uh, being successful and just seeing how they're managing their careers and 
and going to the next step in each different direction. So I'm glad to talk about Taraji P. Harrington, and that's what she means to me. I don't know if Theo, if Malcolm, if you guys uh, have anything to share about what Taraji P. Henson means to you or if you guys are a fan of her work in any capacity. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a fan, uh, I think. I mean, am I? I mean, uh, Taraji is funny. I like her, and I, I've watched the first season of uh, of, of whatchamacallit, what's that, that show, Empire, and I was like, oh, she's funny. I like her. She's a lot, um, <laughs> you know, but I thought she was good. I also like that one um, where she's like a NASA, uh, NASA lady. Figures. Yeah, Hidden Figures. That was okay. You know, it was a good family, family, you know, film. Oh, you know what? I did like her. Oh, no, wait. No, that's that's Regina Hall. I always, I always get Taraji Pants and Regina Hall mixed up. But, uh, yeah, I like her. Especially she's a Howard alumni. Um, I feel like I'm waiting. I think I, hey, was I she like where, her. Was she, was she in the, what do y'all call them? The, the me? The, uh, what was the group that you were in at Howard? Campus Pals? Oh yeah, was she a campus pal, or you don't know? I don't know. If she was a campus pal. I I, I would have probably, if she was, I probably would have heard about that. <laughs> probably would have known. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but she no, I mean like, she's good. I think I'm still waiting for like a film for her, um, to to really shine. Like I feel like she's got to do a biopic. I don't know who she could play a biopic of, but like. I don't know. Um, I'm still waiting on something, but I, I like her energy. I like I like the I like the actress more so than I like I've liked anything that she's in. Um, Benjamin Button was cool. I mean, bro, you can say that about a lot of black women in Hollywood. I can say a lot about. I mean, I, I, ain't, I ain't trying to hate on you, but it's just actually that's something I really want to get on. Uh, I can say a lot about Halle Berry. I feel like they put Halle Berry in certain roles. And I'm like, this is the best you can do for her. Viola right. Davis. I think right. Viola Davis is so talented. But right. let's just be real. She has a look. So mm-hmm. then they put her look into certain roles. And I'm like, she's got so much talent. And these are the best roles we can give her. So right. that's right. what I thought. Yeah, you're right. That's the exception, unfortunately, though. That's not the that's not the constant. That's the exception to the rule. Well, she was also in um Violet Day. She was also in the um Suicide Squad. I like her character a lot in the Suicide Squad, too. It's different, I feel like, from a lot of stuff that she does. I think the opportunity that she gets is not in relation to her talent. I think she's a top five talent, top three talent in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I don't think she gets top three or top five opportunities or roles. Yeah, she could have been a Lady Denzel if she got more play. A Lady Denzel. I feel like Lady Denzel is like Angela Bassett. No, <laughs> let's talk this. No, we're talking this. I think, I think Viola Davis is on... Uh, Meryl Streep. I think she's on that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Meryl Streep doesn't only get offers as being a, a crack mom or you know what I mean? Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm kind of getting at. Or starring in a blockbuster film that everybody's going to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel you. Yeah. All right. Great. She's like the fourth lead in Suicide Squad and she's in the help. <laughs> right? But and, and you know what? And she and got how to start, get away with murder. Yeah. She got to hire and get away with murder. But I think she's got an Oscar, right? Actually, you gave me on a whole other thing. Because again, look at black women that win Oscars and look at white women that get Oscars. Look mm-hmm. at what happened to their white women's careers after they get Oscars and look at what happened to black women's careers after they get Oscars. Lapita Nuongo. 
I mean, have we seen her in a real movie role besides Black Panther? But maybe I'm going on a tangent. My bad. Yeah, she was in um, the uh, Us. She was in that recently. Oh yeah, and, and she was okay. In the, uh, no, no, give me that. King, no, no, no. Of, uh, I'm looking at this differently. Of, I'm looking at this differently. She won Best Actress. She won Best Actress in a supporting role. Uh, no, it was a supporting role. Yeah. I still don't think she gets the shine she <laughs> and you know what? No, actually, y'all give me points. I don't think any black woman in Hollywood get the shine that they deserve, especially after they win the Oscars and the accolades. Regina King, Halle Berry, Viola Davis, Taraji P. Henson, Regina Hall. I'll go on with it. I do not think black women in Hollywood get the accolades they get. So I hear you guys on your points. They have some of these roles, right? But I don't want to get to that point of this, right? You know, Theo, you gave me a good book, right? $40 million millionaires or for. $40 million slaves, right? We, I, I'm not, and I don't think these actresses should be happy with, oh, well, you know what? I got a star role in the TV show. No, it's greatness, right? And you got to look at your peers. And if I'm the best amongst all my peers, then I'm not going to be happy with just getting crumbs, right? If I'm winning Oscars, which is saying I'm the best among my peers, then I'm expecting to get offered the best roles. Maybe I'm doing a little too much, but... I don't feel that people of color, after they get recognized for being the best amongst their peers, that they still get the offers that they deserve after that. And that's one of the reasons why I like to do this podcast, because I think that there need to be people of color also commenting and recognizing the greatness that the people of color in film are doing. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of went off on that on tangents. <laughs> Malcolm, do you have any thoughts about uh, Taraji P. Henson? Or no? Yeah, um, yeah, she's cool. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that she was like the standout person in this movie to me. I, like, again, I'll reiterate, I think Tara Manning was killing in this. And I mean, I don't even go front. Like whenever I was younger, I had like a little crush on her whenever I first watched the movie. Yes. Um, but really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I didn't know what a prostitute was at the time, so it was probably a little bit less grimy to me, um, in that <laughs> back then. But um, I don't think but, he was you know, I don't um, think he was Taraji P. Henson. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, Taraji P. Henson. Yeah, she's been in a lot of cool stuff. I think the favorite thing I've, my favorite thing I've seen her in is uh, that thinks like a man. Um, I thought that movie was really really dope. I saw that a few yeah, years yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, she's yeah, she's cool. I like her. <laughs> I feel like we're like we're not like hardcore Taraji P. Henson, P. Henson fans, but you know, yeah, she cool. Yeah, she you know, cool. fucks with her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it feels like Eddie loved her, so I guess he's kind of on on the harder end of the spectrum on that. But yeah, she's cool. No, it ain't a lover. It's this, and maybe I'll close on this. It's the reason why I did this podcast. Um, reason why we are doing this podcast is three reasons. I love movies. I love talking to you guys about movies. And then three, honestly, I feel like there needs to be more people of culture talking about, I'm sorry, I think it needs to be more people of color talking about the great storytellers uh, for people of color that are out here in the world. And um, so I'm not like I love Taraji P. Henson, but I will say this. 
Um, I'm not going to be all Kanye about it <laughs> and talking about, hey, why are we recognizing Taylor Swift instead of Beyonce, right? I'm not going to be an asshole about it. All that being said, I think Kanye had a point, <laughs> even though he was an asshole about it. So it's just kind of like, I'm here on this. It's like, hey, there's people of color, there's white actors and actresses. And I don't think the people of color are getting their recognition that they want to. And um, I think this is a great platform for us to uh, highlight uh, just the, the greatness, right? The excellence coming from people of culture and film. So with that, uh, I think we had a great time uh, talking about Hustle and Flow and um, capturing what this movie meant to us and some of the things that we liked and didn't like about it. But um, we thank you guys for listening to us. And with that, uh, we want to say thanks, and we'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all.